Hello and welcome to Atlantic Conversations. I'm Fanula Sweeney. The Atlantic Fellowship Programme works with a diverse community of leaders around the world with a common commitment to fairer, healthier, more inclusive societies. Through its seven programmes focused on equity and healthcare, socioeconomic equity and racial equity, the Atlantic Fellowships offer those leaders an opportunity to gain new perspectives and new colleagues, while strengthening their confidence in their work for change. In October 2019, I travelled to Jordan for the Atlantic Institute Thematic Forum on Displacement and Migration. Jordan has been greatly affected by the Syrian crisis. It hosts more than three quarters of a million refugees, the vast majority of whom are from Syria. According to the United Nations, Jordan hosts the second highest share of refugees per capita in the world. The forum was hosted by the Atlantic Institute and co-designed with Atlantic Fellow for Equity and Brain Health, Tala Al-Rusan. Tala is a physician and public health practitioner. I asked her to tell me about her work with refugees and the impact of war and displacement on mental health. Brain health is such an important topic that's very understudied. In the Middle East, we have the refugee crisis. And I'm super interested in how mental health trauma affects brain health. Those millions of people who are on the go, that mass movement of displaced people, how is their brain health manifesting, given the fact that they have been subjected to a large amount of trauma? Where did that interest come from? Jordan is a country of refugees. We grew up always talking about refugee health. Being a doctor also exposed me to different parts of the world. So I was a doctor with Doctor Without Borders in Yemen, where I was first introduced to the issue of internal displacement. I used to see a lot of patients in my clinic who are having interrupted access to care because they're being internally displaced, who are dealing with trauma, a lot of stigma around mental health. All of that opened my eyes to the needs in my part of the world and how much we're not paying enough attention to how mental health affects brain health. What does your research specifically involve here in Jordan with refugees? What kind of work are you trying to do? So really our understanding on how mental health trauma related to displacement affects brain health is very little from all over the world. The only research that is telling us about this is Holocaust survivors, post-World War II survivors. We don't understand really what happens to your brain if you are suddenly affected by acute type of trauma, repetitive and really severe, and dealing also with navigating a whole new health system in hosting communities. The Syrian refugee crisis, the Palestinian refugee crisis, all of these populations that have been displaced could give us an opportunity to learn more about what happens to the human brain from both sides you know, trauma and how does that affect cognitive functioning, but also resilience of the human brain. Are you able to talk about anything you've learned to date or is still the research ongoing? I've been doing a lot of literature review, trying to see what is out there and how can my research add to that. A lot of what I'm learning today is that not only the type of trauma affects brain health, but also the severity and the duration. So for refugees, there is always a problem with getting enough information pre-migratory. So we don't know what happens pre-migration in terms of their 
other chronic conditions, their health in general. We can extract from refugees themselves what type of trauma and what have they seen in the middle of the conflict, but we don't understand what kind of medications they were on, what's their other health conditions. And as we know, the human body is very much interconnected. So it's very important for brain health to understand if this person had hypertension before or not, had diabetes before or not. So that's why it's very challenging to get the entire picture. Now, my research is focusing on getting as much information pre-migratory as we can. Anyone who's been displaced, particularly from the Syrian war, suffers trauma. What kind of trauma is it that you're looking for? What presents itself when you go into the refugee camps that you're looking to research particularly? I'm looking for particular mental health diseases. I look for PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. I look for anxiety and I look for depression. So I use scales to screen for the three of those. And something interesting that many people I found in the scientific world as well don't know is that because of refugees, we're now discovering that there is a new disease classification. There is a new ICD-11 that's going to come out very soon by the World Health Organization that's called complex PTSD. We are discovering that refugees and people in crisis situation suffer not the exact PTSD that we know of, but something called complex PTSD. What is that? It's not classic PTSD. It's different. The main manifestation of it is something called disturbance in self-organization. So people feel like they're not being the same. They can't wear their clothes the same way, for example. And they don't know. There's no organic problem. There's no disease from that. They're not forgetful. It's just that they cannot organize things anymore. So we screen for trauma and we screen for questions related to disturbance in self-organization. When you say they can't organize their clothes, they're not able to put on their clothes or they put them on in a different way? Or there are other aspects of the life that they're not able to take care of? It's about other aspects of life. Clothes is just one example of it. We really just now at the beginning of understanding this situation because again it's a very new disease classification so there are now screening tools that are being developed that are asking for questions when it comes to disturbance and self-organizations some are on clothes some on everyday care activities of daily living etc and of course we know that trauma is a risk factor for dementia Yes, trauma is a risk factor for dementia, for sure. We don't understand, again, how big a risk factor it is. And that's what I'm trying to see in my pilot here. I'm trying to understand whether certain mental health diseases and certain types of trauma, such as rape, for example, and some other severe type of trauma that only refugees have been subjected to repetitively and collectively, how does that affect brain health? You're also an Atlantic Fellow for Equity and Brain Health, and we have just been here this past week in Jordan under the auspices of the Atlantic Institute looking at some of the work you're doing. What was the purpose of that week here for you? This week was really a dream come true for me. I really wanted all the Atlantic Fellows to come and see this country and be at places where they are needed. There is no other place that I could think of when it comes to the refugee crisis and explaining the situation of refugees in hosting communities like it is in Jordan. We are one of the top refugee hosting countries in the world. I think Jordan is a role model for countries that are welcoming of refugees and suffering from challenges that come with the refugee crisis, such as competing over limited resources and grappling with 
having their people accepting and tolerant as they should be. Why do you think people in Jordan are so particularly hospitable and accepting of refugees? That's a question I get asked a lot and I can't really put my hand on a single factor that is the reason why Jordan's being very accepting of refugees. I think it goes back to the foundation of Jordan. King Hussein, who's really the founder of Jordan, has planted in the people of Jordan that you are a country of tolerance and love and peace. And that really grew up in each family in Jordan. Since the Palestinian refugee crisis has started, we we have been the country that opened their arms wide to our brothers and sisters from Palestine, and we continue to do so. So I think it's very much in the foundation of this country that we learned that we have to be there for our neighbors. I think also it goes back to our culture. The Bedouin culture is known to be very generous and kind. If you're a Bedouin living in a tent in the desert, for three days if you have a guest, you're not supposed to ask them where they're coming from, what they want, why are they here. You're just feeding them and offering them shelter. That's part of our culture. What does being an Atlantic Fellow for Equity and Brain Health mean to you? An Atlantic Fellow in general means a lot for me. It's what the world needs right now. It's a group of people, well-intentioned, kind, brave, willing to step into areas that other people are not willing to step into, and uh, tenacious and committed. Those are people who are doing great things, changing the world, but also understanding that it's not easy. And they're doing it within a large community of Atlantic fellows glued under the Atlantic Institute. We're developing friendships here. We're learning how to cry to each other, how to complain to each other, how to learn from each other. So I think it's really lifelong friendships of good, well-intentioned people that are changing the world. We've had here this past week Atlantic Fellows from brain health equity, social economic equity, health equity in the US and global health equity in South Africa and Southeast Asia. What do you think their combined efforts can produce, although it's very early to process all the activities that the Fellows took part in, which included going to Zatri refugee camp, hearing from renowned speakers on matters of equity, what do you think may come of this? The whole Atlantic Fellowship idea is an experiment. This is the beauty of it. We don't know what to expect as much as we know that it's going to be good. Being part of an affinity group that I formed, which also has in its concept bringing together fellows from different programs who are very diverse in their backgrounds and very multidisciplinary, but also leaders in their field and all the dynamics that come with that. It's not easy. For the past six months, we have been having weekly conversations among us, the six members of this affinity group, trying to produce something. It's been challenging, but it also is really exceeding our limits in what we can do together as a group. We were thinking of how other fellows from other programs who are coming to Jordan for this forum could contribute. What can they be interested in learning? What can they take back home from this? First of all, all the feedback that I'm getting from the fellows who attended here beyond the affinity group have been very positive. Some of them are saying this week has been transformative to them. Some are saying the best week of my life. Some of them are thinking of ways to do similar things in their countries. So it's all positive and it could be really impactful in different parts of the world. Tala Rasan, thank you very much. Thank you, Fanila. That was Tala Al-Rusan, Atlantic Fellow for Equity in Brain Health. For more information, you can visit www.atlanticfellows.org. I'm Fanula Sweeney, and you've been listening to the Atlantic Conversations podcast.